All right, hi and welcome to the first podcast episode of Young Bucks. This is um, something that I'm starting up during quarantine and it's uh, basically just a podcast that's focused on everything to do with young entrepreneurs and um, the lives of young entrepreneurs and yeah, I'm just taking the time right now that I have um, off work because of the quarantine period to sort of expand out into it and hopefully network with new people and um you know, bring some new experiences to listeners. If you are listening and you follow me on any of my platform, for other platforms, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to come over. And if you don't already follow me, follow me on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle, my TikTok handle is at WilliamHobbsBiz101. And then my Instagram is just at, Will Hob- at WillsHobbs. Um, but yeah, but Thanks for being here. Episode one. Hopefully this is something I'll continue into the future. Cool. Okay. So today I've basically, I've, I've got two guests on because hopefully moving forward, I'm going to have guests on every week and we can start playing around. And if people want to um, tweet me, then hopefully uh, I have a chance to get some, some new people involved in this that I haven't met or don't know in the real world yet. Uh, but today I've got two guys that I grew up with um, and went to school with. And at the moment they are, uh, Started up a side hustle called Vintage Fits, and you can go check them out, and I'll give them time to plug all their necessary bits. But yeah, it's uh, basically an e-commerce business, and they're both studying business at Oxford Brooks University, and it's uh, Dylan Billings and Tom Scadding. They're both 22 years old, and uh, yeah, I thought I'd bring them on today because you know they're friends of mine, and because of what this whole podcast is about, I think they probably have some, some valued input. So what's going on, guys? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. How's the whole how's the whole quarantine thing going? <laughs> it's not too bad. I think everyone's just sort of feeling the same way at this point in terms of being a bit bored, but yeah. Um, it's gonna be like this for the Is it is it full Rona season? Uh, it's full Rona season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even sinking a few brews. Uh, on occasion, occasion. Dylan, your microphone's a bit quiet. It's better. Yeah, so much better. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, cheers for that. But yeah, no, obviously, it's hard on everybody. It's fucking, it is shit. But yeah, just to let you guys know, like, this is a full uh, adult podcast, so you can swear at any moment you want to. <laughs> yeah, no, um, right, nice. yeah um, I didn't know how to, like, sense it was. <laughs> No, no, no censoring, no censoring. I, um, you know, I just wanted to reflect who I am and like who obviously the people who come on it are. And like, obviously, I know when we speak outside of the podcast, formalities, <laughs> we swear. So just feel free to be you. But yeah, it, obviously, it is pretty shit is, is the long and short of it. Um, but yeah, so let's just go over like, obviously, I introduced you, but I'll go over a brief, brief background. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, basically, you guys are both young entrepreneurs. Outside of studying business, you guys are running a business. Um, and, and yeah, you're both studying at Oxford Brooks. And, I mean, was that your first introduction to business? Obviously, I know, like, from doing A-levels with you, Dylan, you obviously did business A-level. But, I mean, you know, wh- where was it, like, you know, I guess, like, for example, with your parents, Dylan, I know, obviously, your mum works in healthcare and, your dad's a uh, a musician of sorts, so like, where yeah, business though, so I guess yeah, and you think that that had an influence? Um, potentially, I guess. Yeah. I, no, I think it's just always something that I've sort of been in, interested in. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, we both studied GCSE and A levels. 
yeah, um, yeah. I think in terms of like actual practical business. So I was involved in that quite from quite a young age. So I used to sell sweets at school. I don't know if you remember like hustling. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, the classic side. And then from there, so I traveled and reselling clothes for clients. So I used to go to like TK Maxx after school and then put on my like shit eBay with no reviews and like you can't start like a week ago and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah I vaguely remember that, but you must yeah, have been doing yeah. that on the low, on the low, because I can't remember that like being a huge thing. <laughs> yeah, like it was slow and it didn't make much money, obviously, but yeah. it's sort of formed the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it's. It. It. From like obviously what you guys are doing now, it's not a huge leap, is it? It's just buying and selling and making sure you're buying in as low as possible and selling as high as possible. And then Tom, what about with you? Um, so I had a few internships when I was younger, um, and that sort of caught my business attention from an early age. Um, and I've always liked the idea of sort of creating something and yeah. you know driving that forward and just creating something I can be proud of and. You know, I can be actually have an active interest in in working there and creating something. Yeah, man. And then obviously, so then I mean, it all sort of like the topic that obviously we want to be based around today is obviously you guys and vintage fits and like having a side hustle with what you're doing, and and that that came about year one for you year first year in university, right, Dylan? Yeah, that was the end of first year. Yeah, and then April 2017. Okay. So, and then for like listeners and, and people seeing these clips, Scado is Tom. Tom is Scado. And then for Scado, you got involved what, year two, second year? Yes, it, well, I got involved um, at the, when would it be now, September of last year, um, yeah. officially. I'd, I'd kind of done little bits and bobs here and there, but um, I think that sort of came from both of us just living in London and sharing experiences after you yeah. know, horrible days at work and just oh what so you got to make sure what you got involved yeah, got, in London not in Oxford yeah so I kind of I designed uh, the first official website back in Oxford um, yeah. and we did some photos and things like that but um, officially I sort of joined in September and that's when we started. I wanted to bring more of like a strategy towards it. Um, yeah. Roll it out across a few more channels. Just get our yeah, voice a bit sure. more heard. Yeah, which is something that like hopefully we'll get into a bit later. Like obviously, I think that's so important. Like I know, like for example, when obviously my background, obviously like coming out of school, I went straight into work um, in my family business, which like a few of my followers on my channels will know is is nightclubs and bars. And uh, in the entertainment hospitality industry, we're launching a stag and hen do company. But obviously, like for me, you know, I, th I felt like because of who the generation we grew up in, like when I came into my parents' business, I was yeah. so shit hot on like trying to push Instagram and trying to push yeah. Facebook. And like, obviously, although like I was coming in and my dad and mum wanted me to move into like uh, a role where I was overseeing everything, that was always something that was like, core to me was like I always have had to try and you know outsource at the moment I'm insourcing to a guy um shout out Matt Goodyear if you're listening who you know is doing fucking well on our marketing but like you know it is like just pushing it through as many channels now and like even with me like trying to create a personal brand through a podcast through TikTok like I really do feel like we are that generation that's just like it's not billboards and TV ads and that's not the be all and end all. You don't just put it in the newspaper and hope for the best anymore. It's like, 
we're so proactive in like and it all kind of merges into one like how you like use instagram for personal i think you just like it just so it flips in between the two like personal and business but like yeah like i said hopefully we'll get into that like later on and then yeah obviously i just wanted to check like with you guys if there's anything else you want to talk about today like other than outside of vintage fits and obviously education and what the future holds like is there anything like in the pipeline that you want to drop or plug right now um, yeah i've got something new on there it's it's very early days but yeah shout out amazing. shout out your shit say it with yeah, your chest <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I've seen your shit. Denim Fuego. Shout out Denim Fuego. Fuego, yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. I'm actually working on our sort of the vintage speed eyes that we, some of the ones we sell as well. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, so we'll start with that and eventually I'm going to start sourcing some of my own original Denim Fuego products as well. So yeah. I remember, I remember I, when you were telling me about it the other day, I watched this um, thing on Sky Atlantic when I was about 15. And it was about these guys, these two guys in New York. And all they did was buy denim in bulk and then detail it and then flip it. And I remember like, it was called like uh, Made in America or something like that. <laughs> and well, yeah, literally mean, when you told me. Yeah, man, when you told me it was, yeah, they, they were... No, no, no. They were, I think they bought and then resold. I think they maybe in the, I didn't watch the whole thing. It was pretty bang average. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's just reminding me of it. I was like, straight hustling, yeah. bro. But I respect it. Like, I'll put all the, um, I'll put all the links to uh, Vintage Fits and Denim Fuego uh, in all iterations of social media and websites and Depop in the description of the podcast and in the description of any other social media platform that this ends up on um or media platform um but yeah i mean so so obviously vintage fits is is like i said it's e-commerce um your niche is vintage apple apparel apple apparel um now you're mainly selling over depop right um yeah the majority of our sales company. although you did just launch the website we launched all right so hit me um, with it tell me the story cover yeah all right so in second year when yeah. the when Vintage Fit first started, it did have a website. Yeah. That was uh, the main channel. And it was like that for a few months. But the website mm-hmm. was made was very, very basic and didn't really get many organic views at all. It was more sort of promoting on Instagram and I remember that, yeah. that was it, yeah. Yeah. It was it was basically Instagram business but converting yeah. into sales yeah. on the website. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um and then I randomly got into Depot and yeah. Because from the start, people, when I first started doing it, always had a bit of a, a bit of a dodgy reputation. And I think that's yeah, no, for sure. A lot, yeah, a lot of young people won it, and they sold their like selling on Supreme, like selling their yeah. clothes. So no, it was never first like, generation sales. It was always like Depop yeah, yeah, was yeah. where you went to sell stuff because you needed cash. Yeah, literally, and there was a lot less. <laughs> on it. it was more individual people I yeah that meant they were less they felt less pressure to give good customer service and because if they get a bad review it doesn't matter they've sold what they need to sell they're going to close their account and move on so i think yeah. that gave people a bit of a, a shady sort of like aspect to it yeah but, at the time yeah 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 but like the way they changed drastic so when i actually put it on hold the, the business as we went on place which i'm sure we'll go into a bit later on yeah. When I came back 
it's like a whole different platform. The app is so much better. Like the customer service is amazing. Like the actual, the like the the bolts of the actual app is so much better. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that they've worked on. Um, anyway, that I went off a bit of tangent then, but so I started yeah. working on Depop, and then it's just a really good way to get a steady pipeline of sales without having to sort of work on SEO or get paid advertising or, or do that stuff on Instagram. So it's a really good thing to have on the background. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, it, it, it's, um, yeah, I think like it is so fucking, I was talking to my dad about um, obviously like how he used to use the internet and my dad's 62 now, um, shout out Pidge. And he like i was saying to him like you don't go on the internet anymore to just find a new website or google like uh you don't google like gray tracksuits and look for all different websites selling gray tracksuits you almost go on the website you almost go searching for websites that you know already exist you know it's like i mean obviously the bulk of the internet is facebook youtube amazon you know but like it seems like now, especially for me with the nightclubs and stuff, the website is so unimportant. We put all our, we do all our marketing through social channels. We do all of our like bookings, inquiries through social channels. We do all of the like posting pictures, everything goes on the social channels. Whereas back in the day, it used to be all the websites. And I think like, obviously with something like Depop, where it becomes like a centralized place for vendors to come and grow a brand and become a established business on a platform like that it's like it must it must it honestly must jump forward the process of your business like between six to 12 months like the time it would have taken for you to put pump into seo and marketing on google ads to get to the top of vintage you know resellers or whatever would have taken six to 12 months whereas like where you guys jumped in at, at like on Depop, I think people obviously go to Depop knowing that they want to already buy something or sell something, and then they come to you guys and, and you're there, like ready to rock. Basically, it's yeah. sort of like the plug and play type aspect of yeah, I think that's especially true in the, in the market which we work in, selling like yeah. second hand vintage and streetwear. That is sort of primarily the type of place which you would find on Depop. I think a lot yeah. of people go on to Depop looking for those like sort of clothes. Yeah, they're re- yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. And like you said, I remember speaking to you once, and you were like, your best seller at the time was what you dubbed like wavy jackets. Yeah. And that was like, I think that's so like true of what Depop is. Yeah. It's like wavy jackets, and people just like getting geared up for festival season. <laughs> but but and also you know that's like obviously there's so many people that obviously into the whole vintage thing i mean like even like i always hit up a little vintage store in exeter and like i always look at your stuff and it, you know some of it's sick it's it's cool but yeah i mean if anybody's listening um that's into that or wants to check it out I'll, like i said i'll put all the, everything in in descriptions everywhere um and then yeah so like i mean you kind of touched on it there like obviously the stages and the forms that your online store has taken and then and we sort of touched on how you felt and how I sort of saw that it's helped you reach customers. Um, this is obviously something I want to get into because I think there's like, like I've seen with the content I've been producing the last couple of days is people want to start businesses, 
but they have no idea what to start, why to start it, or how to do it. You know, and even if it's side hustles, people think like they. I mean, you know, Dylan, talk me through it. Like, where was what was the thought process behind starting up Vintage Fits as a side hustle? Obviously, you yeah. said that your first introduction, Sweets, TK Maxx, yeah, eBay. Yeah, Sorry, mate. Can you can you just try and sort your mic out again? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so basically, yeah, it's first year of uni, and basically there are periods at uni, especially yeah. in first year, especially studying business management, and especially at like Oxford Brooks, where you find yourself with a lot of spare time. Yeah. And of course, I was using that time to sort of work hard and stuff in the store, like, or a yeah. degree, but at the same time, like, I felt like I could maybe be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my business has always been a passion of mine, sort of even that e-commerce side of it from when I was selling clothes. Mm-hmm. Fashion has always been an interest of mine. So it was sort of like, it sort of made sense. But I did see a lot of different brands selling vintage clothes. Like it's a very separate oh. market. And yeah, some for sure. were really good. Yeah, some were really good that they inspired me to do it. And others were, they were successful and they weren't good. But there are things that I would, I'd like to do definitely. I see that. Like, I, I reckon I could do that better. But you uh, saw the success of of others, and you had the intuition to actually be able to see that what they're doing, see what the mar- where the market's going, and then you had the idea to jump in sort in your own sort aspect. Of sort of understanding what they did, to get to where they were. At. Yeah. Like the whole, like the whole. I think I'd be able to see that as well. And what? And when you talk about you seeing other people doing it, like you're seeing other uni kids doing it, or you were seeing like Ralph Lauren doing it. I, I didn't, I didn't know anyone personally who was doing it, but it's more like on Instagram. That's the you're main. Instagram. Where I saw people doing it. Yeah, for sure. To get, especially because we're obviously we're we have target market. market. Every single advertiser, but we get targeted to us. We get yeah. Even I know. Before, I, like, you see all these different pages, and man, I didn't realize how big it was. I didn't realize how big it was. Yeah, it's interesting though, because you know, so many, you know, a few of the at the moment, like a big thing that I've been talking about on my TikTok or my Twitter, is like side hustles, and obviously, you know, the easiest way is if you have a passion, you know, because unfortunately, not everybody out there does have that sort of uh, intuition like you had to start up something because you could see that you could mimic the success of others in in what was at the time a huge market with like not many you know not very saturated market but the demand was huge yeah um, it wasn't yeah it wasn't necessarily like mimicking it was more sort of building on it and then yeah stuff taking your own uh, take come yeah and i think that's so important yeah. people try and be like copycats and obviously, Tom, why, why, when did you get involved? I know, obviously, you said, like, you know, from coming home after work in London, and and was that something you felt like pushed you to get involved? You didn't, you you saw what the grind's actually like. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, one of the biggest takeouts for me um, from last year on placement was, um, you know, 
practically putting into place everything that you, the university told us was supposedly useful etc yeah. um, yeah. and seeing for ourselves what actually worked and what didn't um, mm -hmm. that sparked a lot of conversations after work um, vintage fits was kind of on hold for that year so we naturally over the course of you know a couple of months started mm -hmm. building a plan at the time dylan were you still doing your thing with vintage fits or was that on hold um it was mainly on hold just because listen i reckon i could have done it whilst working but it wouldn't have been to the to the a level of quality which i wanted to have done it so i wouldn't no, have to I, be with the justice if i was sort of governing it with yeah position as well but mm -hmm. what i was able to do was sort of keep up the like the social side of it so keep up working on the instagram so i didn't lose all the followers that i worked on yeah 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 and the deep off and stuff like that as well as sort of notifying the my customers and talent we're taking a bit of a break and we're going to come back um like bigger and better that sort of thing as well yeah i think that's massive i think that's a, that was a, that was a really good move on your part dude so vintage fits is on a bit of a hiatus you know people are going crazy on the streets because they can't get their vintage levi's then, Scato, where where was it in the process of Vintage Fits getting started back up that you came into it? Were you, was it like, was Scato um, the fire starter to get it started back up again? Or was it like um, a really organic thing? I, I wouldn't go that far, but I'd say almost like, a, almost a bit of a reignition. So there are a few problems that we had talked about. Um, yeah. That I had built a network through working in a creative agency that, could easily help out so for example i've got a designer friend called nicola um, mm. and in our spare time in lunch we designed like seven mock-up new logos for vintage and i sort of brought it home after work um okay, and boy. you know yeah exactly and we just had a discussion about that sort of stuff then um and the account management work i was doing was very very similar um mm. to the work dylan was talking about sort of the day-to-day -day runnings and bookings and all of that sort of stuff so I was very much in that headspace at the time and that enabled us to kind of push out a strategy from there. And D-Boy, did you feel like obviously at the time, like you said, like obviously you felt like you could have done it, but it would have been a push and not to the point that you would have wanted to do it. Was it like it needed, it needed, it was time vintage fits expanded into a two-man operation? What, in terms of Scalic joining? Yeah, in terms of Scalic joining. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so, he... Scala was able to bring the expertise he had gained from his year in working. Yeah. Keen to do it. Um, we were living together this year. It just made perfect sense. sense. And yeah, I guess it was sort of like in order to take it to the next level, having another person to sort of do this for how much I'm able to do and sort of bounce ideas off was pretty crucial to that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was sort of like right place, right time. That's quite interesting you say about like obviously with what SCADs had learned. Scadder, your year in industry was pretty creative based and account management based, right? Yeah, so I was working in a creative agency in London. Um, I was mainly working on the co-op in Camden Brewery account, but at the hey, time I was the only account executive. This is a Camden, yeah, glass, Camden Brewery. But, but this is a Camden glass, but it's faded. Yeah, yeah, carry on. They, they kept the fridge stopped up at work as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so you, they, um, you've come in from like quite a, a, like you said, creative and account management and dealing with like accounts. 
I'm sure then scaling that back down to vintage fits and having to deal with suppliers and customers and uh, designers, whatever, it seems like almost like easier. It, in a way, yeah. I, I feel like the, the part of the job I relished was the responsibility. I kind of liked stepping up to the task. And when you kind of compare that to vintage fits, we had like so much freedom. It felt like in my mind to create and deliver whatever sure. type of content we, we wanted to do. So it was kind of like all the ideas I had at work that I could never really get out there or would never yeah. be given a place. We yeah, could yeah, yeah. You know, test out, try and experiment and, you know, create our own learnings. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's, uh, I love that. Like I was, uh, I got into a conversation with somebody on um, TikTok, uh, uh, yesterday and he was talking about um like i was talking about the slow grind of just doing your thing stay you know how people think that the four-hour work week exists and this passive income idea everybody was working towards that yeah i was chatting to some guy and he was like um oh you know i'm in a dead end i'm in the job that i don't particularly see a massive future with and i was saying to him take all the take every single experience you're getting in that job right now and just think about how you're going to put that into, into motion when you've got your own business, you know, how, you know, like you just said, like all this shit you couldn't do, you've actually then put it into practice with vintage fits and your side hustle. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I just, I get excited on this shit. I love hearing like, (laughs) you know, like a lot of the time when I do business, it's like with a lot of people my age, but, then, you know, there are also a lot of people my dad's age still in, in like my industry and I have to deal with them. But like, it's just fucking exciting talking to young people that are like going out and doing it on their own from being in education with you both and where you're sat there and just getting told this is how it's going to be to then actually going out and doing it. It's, it's two different things. And to see you guys thriving and having this conversation with you, it just gets me fucking jacked up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, uh, talking about education, how do you think that your obviously we've spoken about how your um, your year out in industry, how you feel that that's affected your side hustle? What about the actual degrees? Have you seen much crossover in what's been talked about in the classroom and the lecture halls, and actually what you've applied to Vintage Fits, or is business a little bit easier than what you think it's all being chalked up to be by your lecturers? I think that business is a bit easier than school does to be, but at the same time, have it for me to be honest, there's very little things which I, I can't speak to Tom, which I've learned at university, which has really helped me with vintage fits. Yeah. Um, I think university is great for getting like a, a broad overview. For sure. Theories of what makes a successful business. But when it comes down sure. to, this could just be the sector with which we're working in. Any mm-hmm. relatively small up and coming e commerce brand, yeah, there isn't really much that I've learned that's really sort of benefited me and that I've really implemented in any sort of way, yeah. Um, but that being said, like I said, the, the actual learning theory of it and the overview of why you know business happens the way it does that probably has had maybe some effect on it, but mm-hmm. I can't think of any specific examples which have really helped us sort of, yeah. Yeah, but, do, exactly but do, what about like um, maybe 
do you feel like it has made you susceptible to learning and it's and in a way universities taught you how to self-teach yeah i'd agree with that i think you you go to school and university and things like that to almost learn how to learn yeah so that when you're older you can just collect information and and data more efficiently essentially for sure i feel like what what we are being taught um isn't really directly applicable to to vintage ships it's not like there's a lot of yeah exactly it's a lot of 1995 references from people who have you know written a thousand books but yeah none of them were online so if you can't do you teach you know like i think sometimes <laughs> you do think like if if this business lecturer was all he's cracked up to be then why the hell is he a lecturer and not a businessman yes i mean to be fair some of the lecturers that we have are retired businessmen yeah like okay okay well shout out to those guys because they've hustled it they, they know the grind <laughs> I'm shouting everybody out on this. This has turned into Tory Lanez's quarantine radio. <laughs> uh, flip the camera, Dylan. Let's get the early fans <laughs> content. No, no, I see that. Obviously, I never personally went to university. Um, I didn't really get close. I sort of, uh, you know, I dropped out um, of school, went straight into work. But, um, but yeah, no, definitely from talking to obviously you guys in a personal setting. Um, uh, you know, I think I've always felt that you, there's definitely, I think even, there's definitely some massive positives to going to university. And I've always said, if you don't know what you want to do specifically, or you don't have any idea, or there's no foundation already set up, go and get as many qualifications as you can, because it's going to make you either more employable, or if you do want to be self-employed and you're hell-bent on starting a business, you're only just going to get more, you know, more knowledge, you know. Um I think though for like for you Dylan like knowing you personally universities massively brought you out of your shell yeah I was going to say I think for university it's not just like the academic side of it it's no. just learning to survive by yourself and yeah 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 the latest and meeting new people it's sort of for some people it's invaluable so actually character development and stuff like mm-hmm. that so whilst the academic thing is useful in what you learn and how it can help you get a job when you graduate. I think more importantly, it is, yeah, like I said, sort of the social side of it as well. Yeah, for sure. But that, that like, a lot of people don't f- see it from the outside, but that is massive part of business. Like, the amount of business that I've done, I get that, like, obviously I sell alcohol and, uh, and everything is a bit of a party, but you know, the amount of time, like, reps take me out for a dinner and, and we do business over dinner and you do business on a night out or you do business on a golf course. That's, like, the real-world part of it. It's not all just done over emails and contracts get signed. It's, like, you do also build friendships with people. And if you, if you can't network and build friendships easily, it does make business that much harder. I mean, yeah, man, and if university taught you that and if it's given you that skill, then fuck me, it was worth the money. But how do you think, how, so this is an interesting one then. How do you guys think, right, the, the education, both university, A-levels, um, GCSEs, all that, and now seeing the peaks and troughs of actual business with your side hustle, Vintage Fits, how do you think that's affected what you both want from the future now, going forward? Like, 
in terms of being self-employed or being employed do you you know like how you've been at university and obviously had it's like for some people who just go to university take the student loan you know rent out accommodation it's almost like what's going to happen to them when they move to london and get a job in um, a pretty safe sector where they're going to have a steady income and rent going out and they just they go to work at night nine leave at five and they don't take any work home with them yeah. you know like i feel like obviously people a lot of people go to university and then go out and do that and it's the university sort of set them up but obviously with you guys for for that whereas with you guys and having vintage fits do you how do you think i mean i spoke to you guys you said you never want to work for somebody again <laughs> i mean yeah that's the that's the gist of it but essentially um i, I just want to collect as wide a skill set as possible through working you know various different high-paced jobs in london yeah i just want to get the skill sets and then get out of there and do my own thing essentially but yeah. i do understand that i i need the experience I, I would just be wasting my own time and money if i were to go out and do that now so yeah it's sometimes it's a harder lesson to learn yeah, on your own then without the safety net i guess uh, and but eventually end goal for you tom self-employed yeah self-employed running my own business which yeah i at least think is a worthwhile one for sure for sure and that yeah man passion passion and business so many people just like fucking don't want to do something that they're passionate about and it blows my mind it's just blows my mind man what about you d-boy what are you saying self-employed are you going you going suit and tie nice retirement watch at the end of it when you're 65 <laughs> Yeah. I guess ideally, I want to stay doing that in some way, whether it's doing side hustles, my main job, or I, would, I wouldn't be averse to getting a permanent job if it's someone mm -hmm. I really wanted to be. And at the same time, I was able to carry on sort of a side hustle as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you sort of did already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as long as I've got some element of me doing something my way, which I want to do, building myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important thing. Mm. So you people out sort of get a permanent job as long as I was able to do that, but at the same time, it's it's a great thing to achieve. Like it's a great thing to sort of strive for, just having being able to work independently for yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, definitely. But but it's not for everybody. Um, and obviously, it's you know this whole podcast and and what I try and talk about on my socials is for uh, on is targeted at entrepreneurs. Um, but you know, there couldn't be any entrepreneurs if there wasn't a workforce out there willing to put the nine to fives in and 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 uh, not take it home. Obviously, I guess when I spoke about obviously seeing now with Vintage Fits what the peaks and troughs are of business, I guess for you guys a lot of that probably the lesson learned would have been like oh shit you know university obviously you do revision out of hours but you just clock in for lectures do your work and obviously in your year in industry I'm sure a lot of it was you know you took some work home with you and obviously being in London as well it's a longer work day than the rest of a lot of the other parts of the country and the world but obviously probably with vintage fits which you guys find is um it's all the fucking time like if you're doing a side hustle, if you're running your own business, it doesn't stop. Like your customers do not give a shit if they're in on the, you know, if they're in a different time zone, they want to talk to you. They want to talk to you now. They want to talk to somebody now. Like they're, you know, I think that's like 
the one thing that I think so many people overlook about being a business owner or being an entrepreneur is like it doesn't actually get easier for a long long time than the nine to five grind like that is a lot easier it might be boring but that's a lot easier than some like the truth of being a business owner and being an entrepreneur which is that like customers clients consumers they want to fucking talk to you all the time and it's great because you want to connect with them but at the same time it's like where does your home life then begin you know um and I think that's such a, that's like such a valuable lesson for anybody listening and, and anybody that learns it. But like the way I see that running ministries on a guess on a, obviously on a smaller scale to with other businesses like what you're doing. Um, if it's something you're passionate about and it genuinely is like of interest to you and it's a hobby, it doesn't really feel like you're working all the time. Yeah, I, so I, it, so I have to say being productive in the day it doesn't feel like you're in the office working all day. It's just it's completely different to that despite the fact you're still yeah. doing the same sort you're still adding the same sort of value to your, to your business for sure man yeah i'm literally smiling about that that's so true it is very true um yeah i to be fair i for the short amount of time that i have flipped things in my life like clothes and shoes or whatever i mean at one stage when i was about 16 i was doing the whole raiding secondhand stores and selling it on depop there is something different about the thrill of a sale, like the thrill of a sale compared to bricks and mortar business where you see customers coming in and your customers, you have to bring your customers to you. The thrill of a sale is just crazy. I was, my brother at the moment is flipping like jewelry that he's had in rotation for years on eBay. And you just see like, the when it's then that auction clock comes ticking down and that money starts getting higher and higher it's just the excitement builds like nothing else <laughs> it's probably when, when you get that hate on notification <laughs> yeah that's the yeah. one yeah it makes it makes all those 2am conversations with somebody asking about the waist size <laughs> on the jeans <laughs> and the you know how thick the cotton is it makes all of it worth it in like an instant we get so many like one to two a.m sales and they'll either buy it or mess it sure i may i can imagine i can imagine uh, it's like <laughs> people but deep boy i gotta ask you to do your mic again bro i'm sorry sure like those are some valuable lessons my next question was literally going to be what are some valuable lessons that you felt like you've learned from from this venture but i think we've sort of organically got there but i mean you know is there anything else that sort of sticks out to you other than like you know the the reality of what being an entrepreneur and business owner is is there anything else that particularly sticks out to you that vintage fits and a side hustle has taught you um i would say on a personal note just generally hard work pays off you've probably heard it a hundred times but nah, the amount sure. of patience and persistence we've had to apply to this just to Dude, get, the don't, don't get me started on this later. right now yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah honestly, honestly keep, keep going with it bro the amount of i have this i'm trying to be real in this whole podcast and the content i put out and one and obviously a question that we're going to get onto later which is going to be my off-topic question which is something i'm going to do on this podcast um every week is but uh you hit the nail on the head mate like hard work does pay off so many people in this life they want the quick and easy option they they want to lose weight they want to look like kim kardashian um but they don't realize that the 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 truth of it is eat less 
and work out more. You know, they don't realize that there's like no quick and easy way to actually become an entrepreneur or successful or get more money or build the business you want. It's like, it, the truth of it is hard work pays off. Yeah, it's consistently as well. Like eat less and work out more consistently every day. That's true. That is true. That is so true. And, you know, people like, you know, trying to break into social media and that sort of thing. Just people give up so easily. Um, you know, I'm not expecting this podcast to be the hit off than the first episode. And when it's finally hit, you guys have to come back on and we can talk more about vintage fits then. Um, but, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the grind. I'm ready for episode 824 to be the one that blows up. But, no, exactly. you know, it's, but I think that's what separates, you know, people like you and, and Dylan from the other people that have vintage clothing stores online that have only posted four things on Instagram. They only sold two of them and they gave up. You know, because you are, you are, I think you realized early on that it's the grind. It is, they don't call it grinding for nothing. I got, yeah, no, for sure. Anything, um, anything else, D-Boy, or Scads? Um, no. No, man. Yeah, but I think that's... Like, su- go on. Like, like, sort of when... I guess in terms of valuable lessons, one was pretty applied. When you're, like, when you're just building a startup, you're doing everything. So mm-hmm. you can cover so many different agreements, which might not be a strong suit. So that, just in its nature, gives you a wide range of skill sets just because of the fact that you have to do it in order to grow the business. I'm loving it. Um, what Two great answers. Uh, you pulled those ones out the fucking locker, <laughs> huh? Yeah, hey, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I, yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, yeah, I think, like, so many people think, you know, or, you know, when you're starting up a side hustle or, or any business and you have zero capital to invest in the first place then it does make the necessity for just do it your fucking self or you know you pull strings like you said scads you pull strings that you've made a network that you've that you've put in before you you put you call in those favors to get to get shit done because you have to because you have zero capital to go out and inv- invest in a um two grand a week design team that are going to come <laughs> along and produce a video and 10 social media assets and a logo and like yeah man people just think like i have conversations with um people i was having a conversation a couple of weeks back with somebody um who who i outsourced to and of months now because i've been in quarantine for a couple of weeks but and i was we were talking about a business idea that he'd had and i was like but how would you do that he's like i'll find somebody to do it but i was like but nobody unless you already are friends with them and you would know that they could do it and you could answer my question with their name, nobody's going to do it for free and you have zero capital. So you're going to have to do it yourself. And if you're not prepared to do it yourself and do the, um, and be consistent and put in that hard work, like you said, Scads, it's not going to happen. And that's super, super important lessons to be learned. And it sounds like, yeah, for sure. Two great answers. I'm straight up applauding that. Maybe I'll make this a thing where like I'm just gonna applaud one uh one answer to a question each week. Um No, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you secured the that was early on as well. So we've got like a few more questions to go. So yeah, moving on. I mean some great things covered already. One thing obviously I I full 
um, to be fully transparent with the listeners and anybody viewing these things, uh, I did send forward the questions because this isn't just a pop like interview where we're trying to catch Scadow and Dylan out on their love lives. This is obviously something that we want to put some thought behind because um, that's what business and entrepreneurship is about. Um, but obviously, yeah, I sent you guys this one. So it might not be an off the cuff thing where we get an awkward response from you guys sat next to each other. But obviously I said in my email, you know, I've heard the expression before, a partnership is a sinking ship, which isn't always necessarily true. You know, I think that's probably, I've heard that of people who've had bad experiences with partnerships, but obviously you guys make it work. And what do you think are some like real key aspects that what you've done to make your friendship and your business partnership and living together work? with Vintage Fits and uni and being friends? Um, I'd say in my opinion, we've always shared a very relaxed friendship um, and having that sort of foundation has made our approach to business uh, more exciting rather than stressful, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, for sure. No pressure. Yeah, well, not, not no pressure, but more, I know, more camaraderie in, in a way and clear yeah. communication has, has helped helped us through a lot of yeah yeah a lot of problems over the years sure, so. communication's big yeah. communication is definitely big i think i think it's just the aspect of actually trusting one another as well in order mm. in terms of like if, if if we wanted to get something done we trust the ability of the other person to do it yeah by us standard for sure happy with it. yeah and um yeah, actually having sort of clear responsibilities set up. So like static set in terms of communication has also yeah, no, I yeah it can be hard, like really, really hard to to when it when you have equal liability, I guess, or responsibility in a business, it can be so hard to ask or or one person take a job on without the input of the other and like to trust each other to do it well you have to be on the same level i don't think partnerships are not something that should be forced at all they need to organically come and obviously with your origin stories like you said being friends beforehand and then like you know one of dylan starting up first and scads you getting involved later on it does sound very organic which i think would have helped massively and like you said communication and those things would have massively helped and and obviously, but it's like, you know, it's not just friendship and, and a partnership. It's obviously you're juggling uni in there as well. Has, do you feel like there's ever been a point where you have felt at this stage you've ever thought about giving up one for the other? Not really, to be honest. No. It's not too hard actually juggling the same, being honest with. Yeah, for sure. And that, bro, I like a response like that, you know. It doesn't need to be hard. I think there's people out there that need to hear it. It's, it's actually fucking easy sometimes. I think with you, it's like the way our sort of course is structured, it's sort of like fairly relaxed for a few weeks. And then, the way that I do work anyway, and then it's just a few weeks time to do all the assignments and stuff. So mm -hmm. at those times where it's a bit busy, you just scale down vintage fits. Prioritise a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, because of the time prior to that, which you're putting in all your effort, that builds the foundation and gives it stability, which allows you to sort of take a few days off, not completely. You can still work on running the basics, like replying to people's defaults and making Instagram posts. But it's that effort and time you put in before, which gives you the freedom to sort of prioritize your 
impact on like university and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I can agree more. Um, I, I almost think that in the way that most students do a placement year, um, and if you're listening and you're thinking about doing a placement year, I couldn't advise you any more to do a placement year. It's the most valuable year of my life. Um, I sure. also think that business students should run a side hustle as well. Yeah, because get to grips with it. Exactly, and it's a, it's a natural sieve for all the bullshit <laughs> the lecturers try and feed you. It really is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, fucking, that's the number, that's the hot tip of the day, guys. That's the hot tip <laughs> of the day. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I could see what you mean, like, looking from the outside in, obviously, like I said, no university background. I'm sure, like, probably <laughs> there's so many people out there that want to get a three-year course done and dusted and go into industry and off to work. But I'm sh- probably, like you said, sieving the bullshit with a side hustle and doing a, a year where there's almost like no strings attached. It's not tr- true employment yet. And you get to just fucking learn as much as you possibly can in, a, in the third year where you're in industry. I bet that was just invaluable, man. I, I think that was probably when you guys were doing that, that was the probably one and only like year where I was like, fuck, I wish I went to uni. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, it's never, the never, it's never been the Tuesday nights in a, in a walkabout that's ever in nearly enticed me to go into university, but that where like you guys obviously were working in quite like cool professions in London and getting to just learn so much uh, with no, with almost no strings attached. I was like, fucking hell, you know, that's it. Yeah. It, was, it was one of the best places. It was very much a full-time job. Like we weren't treated different at all just because we were on, on internal placement. Yeah. But of course, in the back of your head, it's like, yeah, I've got a set end date. And yeah. when it's just like, for sure, so much work and it's like, you know, I'm I'm a university student about a year and not doing any of this. It's it's nice to know that you're doing your bit now, but in a few months you're you're sort of you're you're gone and mm. you hopefully have the option to go back and you've learned yeah. so much from it. It's sort of, it really is sort of the best of, of both worlds as well as most importantly, it's the most real lesson you're gonna get on what life is like outside of university as well. Yeah. Man. So having uh, that before you've even finished your degree is it's, it's invaluable, yeah. Mm. Did you find, like, obviously something we'll probably we'll just step on to next? You talked then about people treating you differently. Did obviously I, I imagine, like, if I was a um, employer and I took on students for a year, I would still expect them to go and work their fucking asses off because I'd be like, yeah. I'm not paying, I'm not paying you anything to sit around for a year and do fuck all and make teas and coffees like you've got to work yeah 100% and I'm sure that I probably pushed you to actually learn more yeah I mean well <clears throat> I was I, I was doing recruitment which is actually a pretty sort of cutthroat profession yeah so like if you take it before you gone in a way so like I I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to coach just because I was doing just sounds a student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's one of the things that sort of pushed me to sort of work hard towards that as well. Like, there's no guarantee that just because I was a student that meant anything to them. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I, really fair yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And but like you said, pushes you. They, you know, you could think it's just 
what I, I have to say, like I said, I, I was so envious of you guys at that time. Like what you were getting to do, sound seemed so fucking cool from the outside and invaluable. Uh, it'd be interesting because I got Churchy on next week, uh, next week's episode. So <laughs> I'm just like, it'd be quite interesting to get like his take on what your internship was like from his point of view. Um, yeah, so being my first guest, being the first episode, it will be in about young young entrepreneurs. Obviously, um, one thing, one topic I wanted to speak about was have you guys ever felt as though you've been treated differently um, in your side hustle, in your years in industry, um, by family, because you are 22 and you're trying to, you know, you're running a side hustle, an online business. You know, have you found ever that maybe customers, when they find out your age, have treated you differently? Or have you ever found suppliers have treated you differently? If family members have not 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 uh, believed in you as much as maybe you, they would if you were thirty three and and launching vintage fits. No, I, I haven't found that for like two reasons. Firstly, because of just the way in which business goes these days. There's so many young entrepreneurs. Sure, it's like we touched on earlier due to the fact that I think a big element of it is actually the social media side of it. That's how business sort of evolves these days. Mm-hmm. That's what young people know. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the main reasons why sort of you're able to do it this young. But I think the main reason which really applies to us is the nature of our market selling vintage clothing across Depop and across Instagram is just a young demographic as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Customers are young. Exactly. When I'm talking to suppliers, and the business owners are young as well. When mm. I'm talking to suppliers and going and actually picking the clothes, I'm not, I'm, I'm rarely the youngest there. Like, they're all fairly similar ages to me. Mm. I think, I think the, the supply, I think in a different industry, perhaps you would be treated differently. Yeah. Some people would, and wrongfully so, like, look down on you or think you're naive just because you're of your age. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, in this, in this sort of market, we your personal experience is different. Young market. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No. I think I can see that. Like with your industry, I'm sure it is quite young, because it's complete. You know, Depop only. I don't know when it was actually first put on the market, but that's surely less than ten years old. You know, so we're like first generation users, bro. With 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 the um, industry you guys are in and the infrastructure you're using, i.e., Depop. I'm sure everybody on it is fucking young. Um, and, and I'm sure that helps. But like you said, if you're probably starting up a pharmaceutical company at 22, I'm sure that the 60-year-olds that are the business leaders are going to treat you yeah. differently. Uh, but that's pretty, you yeah. know, that's the, you know, that is just different. Different industries have different barriers to entry and different yeah. cultures around them. But it is, it is also how you sort of conduct yourself. Like if you, it, when you're messaging suppliers and if you're getting in touch with people and you act as if you're quite, naive and they really have much experience i think not even because of your age just because of the way in which you sort of put yourself across they may treat you differently yeah um so it's important to sort of know which mannerisms to, to use in order to just give give that sense of professionalism no yeah definitely man definitely i, I it was in i had a conversation with my mum um actually the other day um and i was chatting and i was like you know about advice and I was like what's one piece of advice you would give me and she was like you know you're 22 she was like you're 22 and whether you like it or not there are some people who are still gonna think he's just 22 
you know, and yeah, and you fortunately, she was like, you don't look or nor do you act 22, and that helps you massively. But unfortunately, some people still have hang-ups around age and 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 both ends of the spectrum. Though I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about like. 60 year olds rejoining workforces at a lower income but with all the experience but learning new uh skills so like learning a new skill set to do with like online business um and e-commerce everything marketing through socials you know i was listening to this thing and they were saying that like 60 year old 65 70 year old old ad guys who were running the old campaigns on television are now thinking like, fuck, I'm not going to die for another 30 years here or 40, 50 years here. Like I need to get myself a job. And so they're going back into marketing, but on social media and learning a new skill set. I just think like the whole age thing, like obviously with age comes experience, but like, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head as long as you can both communicate on a certain level. Um, I shouldn't, I don't, I, you know, I don't think there should ever be a real problem. You know, obviously, each short generation has its own like culture to business. Though like, I don't know about you guys, I have a habit of signing off emails, cheers, like just cheers, comma, mm. and then my name. Uh, but I email some people, and it's like kind regards, all the best. I hope you know. Hope this email finds you well. But I think for me, it's all oh, that such bullshit. Like just wipe away with that. Saying that you hope this email finds me well is not going to make me want to do business with you any more, any less. Yeah, it's just the format, isn't it? It's the formalities. It's like right? common currency, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, some of it has its place, obviously, but others don't. I think, but that would be our generation will change it and everyone has their own own cultures to business. I'm sure, like, if you reversed it to 150 years ago, you know, turning up to a board meeting in Top Hat and Tails was the culture. But obviously now, Mark Zuckerberg turns up to a board meeting in a fucking turtleneck or not turtleneck that's steve jobs in a in a crew neck and some trainers you know yeah i think yeah you know see that i see that yeah yeah man some trim but you know still making how much yeah billion. oh god man to be zuckerberg um yeah man look big zuck um all this has happened so organically. I'm literally just reading the questions here. Um, we just, I, you know, I just ranted about marketing then. Uh, and one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is marketing um, mm-hmm. and how you guys feel you connect best with your target market, which is like maybe you guys explain what your target market is that you feel is um, and how you feel you best connect with them. Um, so I feel like we've recently tried to just connect with as many new customers as possible. Yeah. The young people who want to buy secondhand clothes. Yeah. It really doesn't do much further than that. We'll supply anywhere in the UK and for free and anywhere um, in the rest of the world for a fee. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we're really targeting these, these young people who are going after secondhand clothes. They're extremely tech savvy. They're willing to do transactions via Apple. Um, they, they want to press high buttons, buy their product, and have it the next day. This that sort of service. Um, yeah. Like that's something we understand because we ourselves are customers. Are oh, those people for sure? Yeah. So, and and really applying to that target market is 
it's, it's quite hard to do at times because a lot of people are replicating the same sorts of things that we're trying to do. So mm. finding trying to get your USB across um, through advertising can be tricky at times, especially in quite um, a flooded market. So yeah, that's something we're still navigating. And I think you know, once you can sort of affect that side of the business, you can almost find new clients and new customers regularly. Yeah, and, and with obviously like two things I want to, like, picked up on, I want to talk about that. You said obviously you feel like you are your own target demographic. That is must be hugely, hugely beneficial. Mm. Yeah, like that. It's very easy for us to um, relate to, yeah, and put ourselves in the eyes of the consumer and think about their journey as well. Because although we have to buy the product, watch it, steam it, iron it photograph it, edit the mm. photographs, upload it, and we put all of that work into it. The customer only gets their packets with the receipt and a pack of caribos. And, you know, it's all about how can we enhance that experience for them. Shall we have you know, 100% recycled packaging so that fully fits our recyclable message? So we yeah, I love that. There are no sweets in there, so it's a nice little surprise for them. Um, you know, little things like that, which... It's the added... It's the, there's a, there's like an old like adage in hospitality that's give them the pickle and it's like um you know bars in their 80s and 90s just have jars of pickles and the guy would buy a drink and you just give him the pickle for free and that's like it's such a simple um idea in business but the idea of the harry bear yeah. is great i love that but yeah no I, yeah yeah for sure for sure it helps you like you said it helps you relate being the same age being your own target demographic you know which is something that I found in nightclubs. Like I think like, what, what do I want to listen to? What do I want to drink? What do my friends want to do? And it help, it does help you so much. Mm. And I think, which is another great reason people to get into business at a young age, especially in the right industries, you're going to be your own target demographic. It makes it 10 times fucking easier, you know, rather than being out of touch. Like my dad, who's 62 and still a director and owner of nightclubs and bars, he'll admit that he doesn't know what his target demographic wants anymore, but he reinvests mm. in people that do. He hires younger where he can um, because they know what his target demographic wants, or, or he doesn't necessarily hire younger, but he take it, he'll take advice from younger people because he knows that they probably know better than he does these days. Um, and, then, and then, so that was the first bit you said about being target demographic was another thing I wanted to pick up on. I can't fucking remember now. She written it down. This is tips for episode two. I'm going to bring a notepad. Yeah. Uh, what did you see? You, you talked about obviously being your own target demographic and thinking about their journey. Uh, the whole, oh, the, the, yeah, the recyclable aspect, like, is something you obviously heavily advertise. Um, but, like, I love it, dude. Like, obviously, putting you know, so many people put profit before planet at the moment. And I think we will be the generation to reverse that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I, I feel like the, the whole sustainability cycle is, you know, bordering on the whole green marketing and trying to yeah. get edges from that to be, you know, completely transparent and honest. But at the same time, we also want to create something and push something out that isn't having a negative impact to the environment all the time. Yeah. Right. But also, for sure. But also, you know, so it's almost like so what if it if it's like it if you are using it just as a 
marketing gimmick it's like ah uh, so what anyway it's better than using um uh you know the power the nagging power of children mm. or like something that's not morally correct like you might as well choose something that's like morally <laughs> correct i'm all for it i think it's yeah 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 and you guys are, and i think do you think that that even, has had a good impact on your customers yeah i think so yeah i think one of the main reasons why people choose to shop vintage anyway is because the the whole business model is naturally very very sustainable yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah you're, you're cutting down the <laughs> waste from that. all right so i actually wrote uh, um an essay on mm. on this sort of thing recently for university basically about the how much waste it is and how bad it is for the environment to actually produce ah. clothes and i want to ask you the worst yeah go for it all right so how much water do you think it takes to create a pair of jeans and a t-shirt in liters mm, in liters i'm gonna say like 10 10 liters for a pair yeah. of jeans and a t-shirt yeah which is high but obviously i know that this is where it's needed it takes twenty thousand liters <laughs> what the fuck yeah what that's the so fuck? mad and, and think about yeah and i was i was I was, I was in the library when I was reading that and I was looking around and seeing about 30 people there and I was thinking, how much water does it take to produce every single item of clothing that everyone here has made? And, like, and then I it, guess... It's unreal. I bet a lot of the, obviously, the water used in it is probably then dyed and not not okay. Yeah, for no, there's so much other stuff. Like, there's so much water pollution and air pollution. Like, it's just yeah. really bad. Fuck. No way. Fucking hell. People, if you're listening... Stop buying from the giants that are fucking mass producing. Yeah. yeah, fuck fast fashion people. Get on vintage. vintage yeah, vintage <laughs> fits and denim fuego. Yeah. Who's repurposing yeah, denim? Yeah, yeah. yeah fucking yeah. hell, that is crazy. I cannot believe that. Yeah, that it's is bad. mental. Jesus, but I mean, for sure. For that's yeah. Wow, I honestly am stunned. I knew, like, I have known that it's one of the worst polluters, but I had like no idea that on like a uh, uh, unit to unit basis, it's that bad. It's that bad, yeah. Mad. That it's is terrible. mental. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, fucking hell. I do think, like, I think I, I remember having a conversation with you, Scads, in the summer about the Nikes that they're doing using all recycled material for. And like saying like I'm all about that like I'm and like I've said from day like for a while now my next car is going to be electric like it's definitely something that it must move the market more like you must identify as identifying as a green um you know being like you said using green marketing tactics and and also being like green shipping where where can be obviously it's got to be shipped somehow at your level um that's not sustainable I guess but like it it must it must have a good impact on on how your customer perceives vintage fit. I'm absolutely shit. You touched on different aspects of the marketing channel wise. What's what's the big ones for you? Obviously, you still and you spoke earlier in the podcast. Instagram huge in the infancy of vintage fits. Um, yeah. Has Facebook crept in? Uh, a bit, yeah, but it's something that sort of coexists alongside Instagram. So there's actually a really good function where we've got our Instagram business account linked to our Facebook account. So every yeah. time you make a post on Instagram and every time you make a story on Instagram, 
it automatically yes, makes it to Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like we can post the content there and it will it will sort of give a it will automatically hand us another platform which people are seeing it on. Mm-hmm. But I think like realistically who spends that much time on Facebook at this point? It's all Instagram is so much more popular that Instagram it's is good king. Yeah, it's right. Gener- for, for our generation, that is like yeah. the truth of it. Mums and dads are on Facebook these days. It's like, it's the social network of families. You know, it's, yeah. it's not the social network of 18 yeah. to 35 year olds. So it's, it's good to have that thing in the background, considering we don't do much on it. And it, yeah. we do advertise on Facebook as well. But yeah, Instagram is, is the main priority in terms of social media. Yeah, so you're not, and like, I mean, I see so many people pumping content about how good Facebook ads are, and it is great, but I think like, um, it sounds better than it is. Like, people are pumping out all this shit about affiliate marketing on TikTok because you can use Facebook ads for it, and you don't, and the and the reach for spend is like so cost effective. But like, as somebody who has used Facebook advertising, um it's a lot fucking harder than people realize to actually hit your specific target demographic. And, and it's just one of those things that unless you are actually going to pump loads of money into it, it's not, it's not organic at all. Whereas like with vintage fits, I follow you guys and I see you in my feed, like, or I see the stories come up, you know, it's Instagram is King. What about like moving on to like, TikTok or like LinkedIn? Has that ever crossed your minds? Well, we, we, we recently sent a um, but I don't, I don't think we'd really, we'd really look at TikTok unless that sort of became the next big Facebook or Instagram thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think sometimes, I was going to say, I think sometimes it's like, don't try and do everything. If you're going to do everything averagely, just do one yeah. thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you're going to be kings of Instagram uh, in the vintage online sellers then do it and own it rather than trying to compete yeah, on every single yeah. battlefield yeah sure, for sure. yeah i, I definitely agree with that yeah i do think like i was again <clears throat> so i was listening to something the other day and they were saying with the new functions of linkedin like being able to now post on linkedin and also not ha- and the connection barriers being so much lower like rather than having to like literally have the same job or be in the same industry or whatever as somebody like your re- your post can reach so many different people now. People are like tipping LinkedIn as this is their 2012 Facebook moment. They're like about to. Yeah, no, LinkedIn's great. LinkedIn is great, but like sure. you said, that's I'm better sure for like you sort of networking. Loads. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like every day. Yeah, I was literally on it every day. <laughs> Influencer on LinkedIn. <laughs> Something like that. So that no, that's obviously in recruitment. That's essential. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. People go in there to find jobs and people go in there to sort of advertise jobs. Headhunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But going back um, to when you mentioned TikTok, I'm not going to lie, I'm not actually, I don't have TikTok. I'm not really that right. You like on TikTok, not, follow me on TikTok. I will, yeah, obviously. But <laughs> um, do, you see, yeah. do you see companies advertising on that? Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, found. at the moment, um, uh, no, not necessarily like yours. I'm not sure, like, like from where I am, I don't know like how on Instagram you can set up a business Instagram and on Facebook, you set up a business Facebook. Yeah. It comes up with all the advertising options for you. I have not seen that on TikTok yet. Like I don't, it must literally be like, you have to contact their head office to get any advertising on the platform at this moment in time. But obviously I'm sure that that will change as they become bigger. But the only thing I yeah. do 
it's product placement, like on Instagram, how you see influencers wearing uh, something and putting it in bio. I've seen so many fucking people do that, and you know, but but like advertising wise, it's not it's not huge. But obviously, the only good thing about TikTok at the moment is it's like completely in its infancy. Yeah. And then, like, if you can blow up on there, then like, now's the time to do it. You know. Um, are there many? Are there, are there many? Sorry, are there any brands that have like official TikTok accounts? Yeah, they... yeah, loads. Yeah, loads, loads. Yeah, I, I, um, I was following on my personal. I think I'm following, um, like maybe four or five brands. But like on obviously on Instagram, I'm following like twenty different brands, thirty different yeah. brands. But like it's creeping in, it's creeping in. But like you know, why not join the fun? Yeah, it's huge. Like for mate, some of the fun, I mean, it's international. That's the big thing on it. Is like because obviously a lot of it's based on like lip syncing and dancing. There's no talking around it, so it's like it does have that international appeal, like Instagram, where it's just photos rather than like Facebook being so written word based. Um, yeah. but jump on it, boys. I mean, you can at least you can do this. Follow me. Um, cool. but yeah, no, it's interesting to talk about marketing. Uh, obviously, another question I wanted to jump on to, I'm trying to run through them a little bit quickly. Um, in crisis times like now, how have you guys changed your approach to business and your side hustle? Um, like, did you try and shift loads of stock when you saw the coronavirus epidemic coming to try it for cash flow purposes or? because you're students and it's just a side hustle that has that allowed you to um, be pretty sensible and it's not your main income. So you don't have to try and put loads of sales on. And actually right now you're taking this time to market to people who are sat at home on furlough. Um, I, I don't know, as a small business, you obviously you have to react to the changes in the economy and the environment quite quickly. Um, yeah. But from our side of things, we've sort of kept everything the same and if anything we've seen a little increase in business. Um, yeah. In terms of like strategies to reacting quickly, yeah, if we wanted to raise more capital for a specific event like Black Friday or something, then we found that a flash there is good to you know, raise capital in the short term but um but you just not Yeah, we just left it to be honest because we didn't see a negative reaction. Yeah. Talking about yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I think one thing, yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, I think one thing specifically that has affected us directly is actually just some um, Royal Mail. There, oh. a lot of the post has been delayed. So, yeah, one thing which we've done, and it's it's something we always do, but one thing we've been especially short to do is as soon as we receive an order, get in yeah. touch with the customer saying. Make them know that we are aware of the situation and that yeah. there could potentially be delays. We're going to ship it at this time as soon as it's shipped, provide them with a tracking number. For sure. And just because it's uncertain times and people are uncertain of what, how this is going to affect them. So, yeah, but it's the most be we can do. Transparent. Is, and yeah, it would be and be completely honest. Like it shouldn't affect it, but here's everything which we can do in our power to help you not be affected mm. by it. Yeah, no, that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think obviously, like you know, I'm not. Uh, when I asked the question, I wanted to just leave it open ended so you guys can answer however you are wanted to. But obviously, you know, I understand. Obviously, as the benefit of a side hustle is that, and also also the benefit of being an online business is that right now, 
although it's coming, the only real massive effect it's going to have on you is that you probably can't get your hands on as much stock to sell and it's going to maybe slow down Royal Mail to your customers. Like, mm. it's not like you've not been shut down by the government, you know? No, yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I think that's it's another great reason to start up a fucking side hustle. Um, but talking about the transparency with, that you have with your customers, and we've also touched on briefly earlier, I see like all over Instagram, all over your Depop, customer relations, massive for you guys. Mm. And, and yeah. what's some things that obviously you've done, like other than like being transparent, responding to, to, to emails quickly, to messages quickly, what are some like real hot tips that you probably could give somebody else interested in a side hustle or e-commerce or selling that you've done to increase your, your reviews and increase, increase customer relations positively? I'd say, um, going back to what I said earlier about putting yourself in the customer's shoes, um, yeah. at the end of the day, the customer is receiving a, a package or a 10B pack of Haribo suits, yeah. which hopefully they're, they're going to like, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't sound like much. I'd love to be in a position where we could give them the most luxurious package opening of their entire life, um, but we can't at this moment in time. So we can make up for little things like that with uh, communication. Uh, is the product as it was exactly how it was described? Um, do they know when they're going to get their parcel? Do they know that we're aware of you know certain environmental changes that may yeah. have yeah. their tracking number? Um, have we given them all the correct measurements? That, yeah, all those little things that really helps make it as easy as possible. Yeah, exactly, and provide just a better experience. Yeah, I think I think when you're asking the question. Literally, you're saying like replying to people quickly and um, like Dom said, like making sure it's as described. It really is that simple. It really yeah. is just those basics and ensuring that don't you do be, them as, as well as possible. It. Just yeah, well, just like as a right way to if you get a message, reply to it straight away. That's what that's yeah. the best thing you can do in that situation. Mm -hmm. Just do that, and the reviews will come naturally. It, it really is sure. that simple. How what's um like shouts? I mean, you know, big yourselves up now. What I haven't checked in a in in a while, other than preparing for this episode. But what's the mm. um what's the star rating on Depop at the moment? We've got. Let me just check. All right, so we got 157 <laughs> five star reviews. Jesus, well done, yeah. guys. Yeah, and that's just over Depop as well. We get like a few DMs on Instagram. So if we sell something on Shopify. You yeah, can't okay, actually yeah, review yeah, on there. That's something we're no. working on. Yeah, but we we get emails and, and nice messages like, "Yeah, we've received it. It's really nice. Thank you." And that that's as nice as, as getting the debug reviews as well. So. Yeah, and and obviously with the website, it's not. There's no. Is there a review thing on there? It's something we're working on, and we've been able to. Um, transport some of the reviews from Depop onto our website, so the viewers mm -hmm. of the website can see. Nice, yeah. How credible we are from from the people in Depop who can leave reviews, but yeah, that's just, something that we're working. just going on a like real quick tangent here. I think like I probably should have asked earlier. What um with the website, it's just so uh, to, so the listeners and viewers. What's the benefit for the website for you guys, rather than Depop? Um, so the reason we set up the website was. During the time of people, you could only pay through PayPal, which 
Which people don't, yeah. You guys, yeah. you guys got um, you went to the headquarters, right? Yep. Then in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we went to the we went to the Stuff like that makes you not really makes the ten percent seem more reasonable. Yeah, but that's yeah. awesome. I mean, I mean you, guys, always... you guys are now recognised as as top sellers. Not nah. So it's like sort of how you get onto the top seller program. So right. the top seller program is is it's very it's what you want to strive for. Basically, yeah. um, to get it, you have to sell fifty items valued at over 15 pounds average for three consecutive months or oh, sell 2000 pounds worth of goods three consecutive months um we've been close like we've had over one month we've done it in the next month we've just fallen short so like it's it's tough but that's sort of they were the purpose of the day was to give you basically to show their support like yeah we see you getting at that stage well done here's here's something to recognize it and also to give you tips on how to sort of get to that stage which which they want us to be at and which we want to be at to be honest yeah yeah that that's awesome like yeah well good i mean hopefully you guys will get there soon yeah sure um but going back to to reviews then um so yeah i mean like you said it is pretty simple it is pretty simple to improve your customer relations it's not actually that hard it's just yeah common sense common sense but but like you know like we've touched on before i'm sure it is so much easier in your industry being your target demographic you know the kind of response you want it isn't that hard people yeah and also being being owner operators you have total control on customer relations you know there's no there's no employees fucking up yeah that is the benefit of a small business you are you can give each client each customer undivided attention yeah, for sure. But another great reason for people to start up side hustles and just go out and do it. It's um, it's even better when you're the owner operator. I see it in my industry. People, so many small pubs, bars, restaurants. That if the guy who owned it actually went down and operated it, it would be ten times better, 
and he could he could employ one less manager and would make 30 grand a year more you know out of his business but people just don't want to do it they think that as soon as they start a business they're entitled to sit above it and lord down below um so this is my off topic question then before we do like the final um outros and stuff uh, something I touched on earlier is passive income. I don't know if you've ever read it. Have you ever read the four hour work week? Um, no. So, so, but, but do you know, like, or do you guys get what passive income is in theory? Yeah. Mm. All right. So, you know, passive income is a massive thing that I see since I started creating content entrepreneur based and business based on TikTok and Twitter it seems like there's so many gurus on TikTok that want to lord people in because they're advertising the um, passive income secrets, you know, um, and how to get this like four hour work week where you work for four hours on Monday morning or total across the week and, you know, you're earning 250,000 pounds a year. Yeah, just what, you know, I'm personally very skeptical that it exists outside of like the super elite that are born into it or people that get lucky. The only way I could genuinely see it, passive income working is you give 200,000 pounds to a hedge fund manager or a million pounds to a hedge fund manager and he gets lucky every single year until you die and you never speak to him again. That's the only way passive income exists in its truest form. You know, a vending machine always gets quoted, but a vending machine needs to be restocked, it needs to be maintained, the licenses need to be prop like done for it. You know, you need to make sure that you're getting it serviced. You need to make sure that it's in the right spot. You might want to move it. You're going to have to rent the place where it's in. Like, you know, I just don't see it works. For, like, as business um, degree, as guys that have gone to university, study business, as two guys that are entrepreneurs and starting a business, what's your take on it? What's your take on the four-hour work week and passive income? Do you think it exists? I mean, there's um... Scads, me and you sort of touched on it earlier when you were saying about like hard work. It, it, that's the real truth of it. Hard work and consistency. You know, something that we spoke about throughout the whole, this whole episode. It, it's do it yourself. It's going to be long. The truth of it is that it's a grind. Um, that's how I see it. You know, like, I'm sure, like I said, like it probably does exist in the super elite, in some of the real lucky ones. But I don't think it's as attainable as all these gurus are making out. And obviously, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to throw it out to you guys as two people that are in business, not two people that look from the outside in, you know? Yeah. And two academias of business. <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> marriage of convenience for all of these uh, you know, teachers online because it's something, you know, passive income and grabs attention easily for people yeah. who don't necessarily have a business mind. That's then, it. You know, it's only slowly on a four-hour work week, you know, yeah. Also, like maybe maybe when they say passive income, they don't mean literally passive. Maybe it's like like the vending machine, for example. 
it maybe it's they say it as passive because the amount of money you make from it in comparison to the, 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 amount, the, the amount of work you have to put into it, maybe they see that as passive. passive. And it is a yeah. bit, but of course it's not 100%. Not, not in its truest form. Yeah, not in its no, truest form. No, I, I just think, you know, I, I see it as like when these people are spouting on and on and on about it, it's like, okay, you have to think what their agenda is. The guy who's going on about it, four posts a day, seven days a week on TikTok is mm. actually running a uh, ben- business mentorship, a business mentoring program on the side and it's £20 a week uh, membership fee and he's going to teach you how to get passive income and when it doesn't work, all you're going to do is cancel your subscription and he's going to fool the next person into it. Yeah. And, and it's yeah, like... Well, they're not just... You know, they're, they're doing you how it. to get rich four hours a week. No, but it's not, you know, there isn't, there isn't, that's it. Yeah, well, that's it. But, and, but people fall for this because it's the, it's what they want to hear and they don't want to follow the people that are going to tell them the truth, which is, is hard work, consistency, you know, and, uh, and the grind. And, but unfortunately that's the truth. That's what they need to hear. Um, Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, great to get some input from two other entrepreneurs. So when I'm putting content out, slagging off, people that spout on about passive income, I don't seem like the yeah. dick, you know, online. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I quote you guys now. I keep bringing up these <laughs> clips on my TikTok, like, see? <laughs> um, so do you guys now, with the knowledge you both have from starting up Vintage Fits, from your degrees, from your experience in the corporate life in London, um, if you could, and you might not, but going back in, in how you started Vintage Fits, in your approach to university, in anything, you know, is there anything with the knowledge you have now that you would change? Yeah, of course, there's stuff that we that would learn from running the business that I wish I knew when I first started it to make it better. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't have, you have to make those mistakes in order to learn, learn what you that. have to do right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess, yeah, it would have gone a lot smoother if I had all the knowledge I had now, but I, I just wouldn't have had that and I wouldn't have been able to gain that if you I hadn't run into these, these problems at the start, yeah. Cash 22. Exactly, mate. Scads, what about for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm exactly the same. I think the biggest thing for me when I was doing this last year was that Worst case scenario, we we will have learned, you know, way more money, way much more money than we ever would have lost. If you understand what I mean, that it's more mm. more about all those little mistakes. We have to make those, but I'm as many mistakes within this year as possible. It's good though, you know, like when I said about um, earlier, people wanting to get out of. Uh, um, you know, supposedly dead end jobs really quickly, you know, sometimes like you say, the experiences that you have on in from the mistakes you make are really what's helping you move forward, what's helping you improve. Which is something I found like when I was at school, school taught me a lot about what I didn't want in life. You know, I didn't want the rigorous um, lifestyle that like school made forced me into i didn't want that i didn't want that after i left school i didn't want that for my business 
And, you know, thankfully, I've fallen into an industry where our busiest hours are between 11 o'clock at night and 4 a.m. in the morning. So it's, it's a bit hectic. It's a bit all over the place. But I think, like, you guys hit the nail on the head. You've got to go through it. You've got to live it to improve moving forward. Nobody's going to get it. Perfection doesn't exist. Perfection only exists in people's minds because they don't want to get scrutinized on what they did wrong or make mistakes. But that is, you're going to do it. You're going to have to. Um, lastly, guys, what, what, what's the future hold for Vintage Fits, for you as individuals, um, friends? You know, what, what's in the pipeline? Is there, obviously, Denim Fuego is going to take off and, and uh, Dylan's going to get signed to Levi's as a designer. Um, but what else? What, you know, what... I think, I think we're, always, we're always looking towards something. I think Dylan's such big businesses now. Um, I've started up a, a crypto currency line for myself. I'm looking at a business of my own. Um, we're just very, very much looking forward to you know, the future entrepreneurship, having freedom outside of university life, um, potentially going back to London, you know, working in that environment again. Awesome. And for you, D-Boy? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, keep doing vintage fits. It's going, it's going well the way it is. And yeah, as Scott said, like, I'm starting up this new thing where, I don't know, I, I, I've got a real interest in it as well. And I think yeah. passion. there could potentially be, exactly, I've got passion in it. So there could potentially be someone there. So, but it's hard to say, isn't it? With, with all this sort of stuff, you just sort of got to work harder and see where it takes you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not jumping, I'm not. I'm not urgent. There's no specific job, for example, which I'm really, really looking to get on. It's more just yeah. sort of doing this, working hard and, and seeing where it takes you. Where life takes you. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, in, awesome. Like, thank you so much for coming on episode one and uh, being um, a part of it. And like I said, like, hopefully um, you guys will come back when this thing's actually popping and uh, <laughs> I've got a whole studio together. And um, we'll be out of quarantine, so we can do it in a centralized location. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, cool. But yeah, guys, um, yeah, good luck with it all. Like, seriously, gets me fucking going when I'm realised that I'm friends with other entrepreneurs who are serious about this shit, and you know, we had all similar backgrounds, it, going to the same school, growing up in the same town, mm-hmm. and like seeing you guys go forward, do all this shit. It's like and the support that our friends give you and like yeah that, it yeah. fucking it gets me it honestly bro it gets me going like i love it like i honestly live for it it's um yeah. huge passion shout mine. Like, to bestie and herbert, by the way. yeah shout out to bestie and herbert yeah yeah no for shout sure, out the group for chat sure. there, right? shout out the whole group chat <laughs> but yeah, yeah no it, it is um I appreciate all business. You know, I like, I love reading about it. I love watching about it. I love doing as much consumption of all types of business and having these conversations is like the cherry on top of the cake. And yeah, no, I've really enjoyed the last couple hours getting to know more about your business as well as a friend. And I hopefully mm. this, um, you know, inspires some people out there to go forward and just do it, launch that side hustle you've been thinking about. Um, yeah, guys, thanks for coming on. Next time I see you, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to buy you a beer. Cool, uh, if you want to plug your stuff. Uh, cool, yeah. So, Vintage Fits Instagram is vintagefits underscore. Um, Depop is just vintage fits. And the website is www.vintagefits.co.uk. Definitely check that out. Follow us on Instagram. Um, Denim Fago is just Instagram. is Denim Fago, and that's Denim F-A-Y-G-O. 
Um, and yeah, follows on that. We post very regularly and it's kind of given an insight into the sort of journey we're going on from startup to where we hope to be. For sure, for sure. And also, you know, it gives them, it gives people listening the opportunity to actually buy some decent clothes that don't use up 20,000 litres of water to produce, yeah, you know. Exactly. It's recycled Perfect. goods. You know. For sure. And then you don't want to plug any personal stuff or are we just keeping it all business? All business. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys cheers for coming on oh yeah thanks man right, we'll uh, it's been awesome yeah yeah for sure for sure I, i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it all right so that's been it that's been episode one of young bucks um my name is william hobbs i plugged all my stuff at the start i've plugged all of um dylan and scado's stuff uh i probably will put some visuals up together of this um and uh and yeah this is this podcast can be available on Podbean, on Anchor, on Spotify, and uh, Apple Podcasts app. Um, so subscribe for more. It's all going to be based around young entrepreneurs. Next week, I've got on uh, a guy who uh, I've known very closely for a long time because he's my brother-in-law, but he's also a young entrepreneur uh, who's starting a young family and also in the midst of selling a business that he started up from scratch with one of his best friends. Um, and obviously, hopefully, he'll give us some insight into into how you start up and his sector and his industry, which is recruitment and um, and how he how he expanded. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, this is something that you guys will subscribe to and and keep up to date with. But yeah, I've been William Hobbs, and uh, and this has been Young Bucks episode one. <laughs>